Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you all the glory. We bless you, O oh God. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. It is always a privilege to come before the throne of grace. And Father, we do not take it for granted. As we are gathered here, according to your promise, let hearts be renewed, O oh God. Let hearts be changed right now. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. So we are talking about, as for me and my family. And we, um, our anchor scripture is coming from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15 to 17. And, and I read, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the, of the river, of, or the gods of the Amorite, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us up and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who did, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we have passed? And so this was a time that God had brought the Israelites into the land that he promised them through the leadership of Joshua. Now, we understand that God first of all called Abraham from amongst his family members. It was one of the very... Um, significant occasions where God called somebody out of his family. He said he, Abraham was living in the family of idols and then God called them. God called Abraham out of the family and he said he was going to make a nation out of Abraham. And even though Abraham died and the promise of God had not yet been fulfilled, God reminded Isaac that he still had a promise for him. And the same promise that God um, gave Isaac, um, gave Abraham, he reminded Isaac that I had a promise to your father. I had a covenant with your father and I am faithful to fulfill that covenant. And so God was committed to the promise that he made to Abraham, even when Abraham was dead and Isaac um, was the one who God planned that he was going to bring the promise through. And Isaac also died. And it was Jacob. And God still was faithful to his covenant to Abraham, even though Abraham was dead. You see, sometimes when you have an agreement with somebody and then the person that you had the agreement with is no more alive, you will feel that you are not bound by that ag agreement anymore. But God, being a faithful God, knows that he has a covenant with Abraham. And he, was, he reminded Isaac that I have a covenant with your father. He reminded um, Jacob that I have a covenant with your grandfather and I am committed to this covenant. I want us to understand that God is faithful in every generation. And so even though you might put seeds on the ground concerning your family now, even when you are not alive, God is faithful to that covenant. You will pray prayers now that even when you have forgotten or when you are not alive, God will use those prayers for you. And so whatever you are doing now, whatever prayer that you are praying now for your family, think about the other 
the generation ahead of you. Don't just think about yourself. Think that there is a generation that is going to come after you. And God is going to be faithful to that promise. And we see that in the life of how God worked with Israel. Israel wasn't a nation. Israel was just one man that God called. He said, I am going to make a nation out of you. And today, Israel is a nation. It tells us the faithfulness that God has to every generation and God's commitment to his covenant. And that is why the, the musician said he is a covenant-keeping God. And so even when it was time for Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt, it was because of that same covenant that God had with Abraham. It was because of that same covenant that he brought them out of Egypt. And he was, Moses was supposed to lead them to the promised land. But Moses could not lead them to the promised land. Moses had to die along the way. Or God had to take Moses along the way. And Joshua was able to lead them to the promised land. It was several generations after God had promised Abraham. But God kept to his promise. And the Bible says by two immutable things, it was impossible for God to lie. And those two immutable things are one, it is not in the nature of God to lie. Two, he swore by himself. And so by these two things, it was impossible that his promise to Abraham should fail. And we should know that God, because of his nature and who he is, it is impossible for any promise that he makes to any one of us to fail. So if God makes a promise to you and God makes a promise to your family and to your generation, you must know that it, was going, it is going to come to pass. Amen. Amen. Even if it doesn't come to pass in your lifetime, believe and have faith that God is a faithful God and he will fulfill his promise. The psalmist said in Psalm 37 verse 25, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. This is David talking. He had worked with God all his years and he said that he was young. He started working with God when he was young, but he has not seen the righteous forsaken or the descendants of the righteous begging for bread. And so whenever we celebrate friends and family, it is time to establish a covenant for our descendants, for people who are our family members. It is time to pour our prayers for them. The Bible tells us, that when Abraham gave out a tithe to Melchizedek, he said that Levi, who was still in Abraham's bosom, also gave out the tithe. It means that whatever action that Abraham took at that time was not only for him, but it was for his descendants who were not yet born. And so when we pray and when we serve God now, it opens the heavens over our families. Amen. And so Joshua was telling the people that choose this day who you are going to serve. And so serving God is a choice. God created man in his own image. And one of the blessings that God gave man was the blessings of making a choice. And God is not going to force any man to worship him. He gives us a free will. And that is why he's going to bring our actions into judgment. And that is also the reason why our worship is meaningful. Our worship is meaningful because it is coming from a willing heart. In fact, God can instruct all of us. We know that God has all powers. He can tell all of us to serve him. He can force every single soul on earth to serve him. But he doesn't do that because he has given us a free will to choose. Because he made us in his image and he doesn't go back on his word. He said, I created man in my own image. And because of that, he's not going to go back on his word. He leaves you, whether you choose to use your free will to oppose him, to curse him, or even to reject him, 
He still allows you because He is a faithful God who keeps His word. So our worship is meaningful because it's coming from a free will. It is coming from a heart that decides to surrender to God. And so uh, um, Joshua told them, choose this day who you are going to serve. He says, you have a choice to make. Choose. And as soon as you, you choose, you make that choice, that, um, the free will that God has given us and the ability to make cho that, that choice that God has given us brings a responsibility on us to choose. Because if we didn't have the ability to make a choice, and we're all just created to serve God and we're going to follow Him anyway. There is no responsibility. But because God has given us a free will, that brings a responsibility on us to choose whether we want to serve Him or whether we don't want to serve Him. Now, whatever choice we make is influenced by two forces. It's influenced either by the force of darkness or it's influenced by God through His Holy Spirit. There is no neutral ground here on earth. Even when you decide not to make a choice, that is also a choice. And so there is no neutral ground. It's either you decide to serve God or you reject God. You decide to follow God and obey Him or you don't obey Him. Whatever you do, you have made a choice. And God is expecting that we'll use that choice wisely and we'll serve Him. And so whatever the case is, we are serving somebody. Either we are serving God or we are serving the devil. I pray that we will use our choice wisely to serve God. And then Joshua just, did, just didn't tell them to make a choice. He impressed upon them what his choice is. He said, you should remember that God, he, first of all, he says that, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, can you imagine that in this generation, it, is, it seems evil for people to serve God, that even when you mention the name of Jesus, people are offended. People don't want you to mention the name of Jesus. People don't want, to, want you to talk about Christianity. It seems evil for people to serve God. So he gave them a choice. that Are you going to serve the God of your fathers? Or are you going to serve the God of this current generation where you are living? Is that the God that you are going to serve? But then he told them, but as for me and my family, we are going to serve the Lord. And that is where we have our, our title from. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua impressed his choice on them. And that is how we minister to our family members. We make them understand that they have a choice to make. And then we tell them, we lead them to the right choice. We tell them what the right choice is. So it takes, building a nation starts with a family. Destroying the nation starts with the family. If the nation is going to be better, then families have to, be, it has to start with families first. If families are restored, the nations will be restored. And as people who are in, a, in a people in various families, we must understand that God is dependent on us to bring the light to our family. And so, if you are a believer and you have family members who are unbelievers, know that God is using you as the Moses of that family. God is using you as the Abraham of that family to bring the rest of the family to salvation. And God said something about Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. He says, For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. This is a wonderful testimony that God gave concerning Abraham. He said, I know Abraham, that Abraham is able to lead his family members to obey my commandment. And so let God say, say the same thing concerning you. 
that he knows you, that you are able to lead your family. You see, responsibility of building the family cannot, we cannot leave that to the state. We cannot leave that to the government. We cannot leave that to the education system. Because it, that's not how God has made it to work. In Deuteronomy, God told them, Deuteronomy chapter 6, God told them that they should teach their children. It was their responsibility. I think Deuteronomy chapter 6 from verse 6. I'm sure I have it there. He says that, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. First of all, you have to keep the words in your heart. And that is why I was, I was telling us the importance of meditation. So if you, once you have the words in your heart, he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and they shall, and, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. He's telling, he say, what he's saying is that you must tell your children the word of God every time. And so the responsibility of raising the family, it is not for the government. And there's this thing that I wanted to show you, which is very important. And so I added to the slide. That is the 10-point plan by Alison Bailey, who is the mother of the new age to destroy Christianity. Alison Bailey had a 10-point plan to destroy Christianity. And I wanted us to see this plan. It is important that as believers... We are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. And this plan was made in the 20th century. So it was several years ago when they made this, they had this 10 point plan to destroy Christianity. And the first point was take God and prayer out of the education system. Several years ago, Alison Bailey died several years ago. I, I, when I was reading about her, I understand that when she was a girl, she was a Christian. And along the line, she joined an occultic group. And then, I mean, she set up this printed, uh, the printing press, which was called, um, it's now called the Lucius Trust. It the name was changed to the Lucius Trust. But it was initially called Lucifer. I don't remember something, but I don't remember the, the full name, but it, the first name was Lucifer. So the printing press was made to honor Lucifer. And so she is the mother of the new age. Alice Bailey is the mother of the new age. She is one of the founders of the new age. And they had this 10-point plan to destroy Christianity. And you can see that it is all focused on the family. The first point was take God and prayer out of the education system. And why? When you change the curriculum to ensure that children are freed from the bondage of Christian culture, why? Because children go to school to be equipped to face life. They are willing to trust and they are willing to value what is being given to them. If you take God out of education, they will unconsciously form a resolve that God is not necessary to face life. They will focus on those things the school counts them worthy to, to be passed on. And they will look at God as an additional God as an additional, if one can afford that additional. And so the focus is that the first point that the new age was pushing, or Alison Bailey wrote down this plan, like I said, in the 20th century, several years ago, is let's first of all take God and prayer out of the education system. And so the plan was that children will go to school and there will be no mention of God, there will be no mention of prayer. And so when children... They, they will begin to think that what they are taught in school is the important things. If God is not taught in the school, then, go, then God is not important. 
God is only an addition. If you have extra time, then you can add God to it. And several years later, laws have been passed to take prayer out of the school. You cannot talk about Christianity in school anymore. It is forbidden in the public school, I believe, that you cannot go there and talk about Jesus Christ. But this was a plan that was made several years ago and is being implemented now. The second is reduce parental authority over their children. The next plan was to make sure that parents do not have so much control over their children. And if parents do not have control over their children, they cannot pass on their Christian values to their children. And so if you weaken the influence that parents have on their children or the control that parents have on their children, then they cannot pass on their values to their children. And these are things that as believers, we have to be aware of and we have, we have to be intentional in the raising of our children. Because the school will not teach them about Jesus Christ. The school will not tell them about prayer. The school will not tell them that there is a God that they have to commit their lives to. And so we have to tell them like the Bible said in Deuteronomy, tell them every time. Even when they cannot speak, you just say memory verse on them, read the Bible and read it on them. It is so important. And so as, as long as they are able to pro, um, promote excessive children's rights, and they tell you that the child is right, they can call 911 anytime they have to. They have to abolish corporal punishment. You cannot punish your child. Today, if you punish your child in public, you are the weirdest person that anybody has seen. And it's all part of the plan that was written several years ago. The third one was destroy the Judeo-Christian family structure or the traditional Christian family structure. And so there was a target to destroy the family structure. Destroy, make sure that people are free. Pro, the point A is promote sexual promiscuity. Free young people to the concept of premarital uh, pre sex. Let them have free sex. Lift it so high that the joy of enjoying it is the highest joy in life. Fantasize, fantasize it that everyone will feel proud to be, to be seen as sexually active. And that is where we are living right now. People or the young people want to be identified as sexually active people. In fact, you are seen as the dumbest person if you say that you're not sexually active in this generation. But then again, we don't have to be ignorant of their devices. The third one, under this point, they, are, they were going to use advertisement, use advertising industry, media, TV, magazines, film, the film industry to promote sexual enjoyment as the highest pleasure in humanity. The question we need to ask ourselves is, have they succeeded? Do we see these things happening? The next point was, if sex is free, then make abortion legal. And make it easy and today people are saying that it's their own bodies and they can do whatever they want to do with it you see in the midst of all these things i want christians not to just be quiet we have to pray and we have to speak up but like i i, I always say as long as we are still here on earth we need to maintain order until we are raptured and so the point is, if they are going to make sex free, if they are going to elevate sex so that people are going to um, see sex as the most important thing or something that they cannot live without, then they have to make abortion free and legal and make it easy. Number five, make divorce easy and legal. Free people from the concept of marriage. 
So you see, all the points that are being made here is targeted towards the family to destroy the family structure, to destroy the family system. Because when you succeed in destroying the family, you can take over the nation. And so the plan was to make sure that, yes, people can go to um, the church and make their vows, but they don't have a commitment to those vows. Most people today can walk out anytime they want to walk out. But it's all part of a structure. It's all part. And, and, and this woman said that these things that she wrote, she received them from a spiritual entity. And she wrote these things down. Number six, make homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. And so today there is an agenda to push homosexuality, gayism. It is an alternative lifestyle. Every, almost all the Fortune 500 companies in the U.S., support it they donate to it let's not be ignorant of what is going on around us I'm, I'm i'm telling us all these things so that we know that even in the demonic kingdom they have plans and that is why it's important that we also have plans for our families number seven debase art make it run mad and so you can see the promotion of nudity anywhere everywhere no matter the product they will use nudity to promote it Number nine, use media to promote and change mindset. And that is why I always say it is important that things that we watch on TV. I mean, the bio, uh, the, this research paper I have here says that almost 99% of people, every household in the U.S. has at least one television. And it goes into details, telling us the number of hours people use, people spend on watching television. And so one of the greatest influences of our time is TV, is the media, and the things that we watch. And so let's be mindful of the things that are targeted towards destroying the family. And let's um, protect or let's teach up. Sometimes you cannot only just stop your kids from watching TV. You just have to teach them. You just have to train them. Because you cannot stop them from watching. They will go out, they will make friends, they will go and watch TV elsewhere. But let's be deliberate in the things that we allow into our homes. Number nine. Create an interfaith movement. The whole focus of this one is to say that Christianity and all other religions are the same. And once you're able to succeed in telling us that Christianity is the same as any other thing, irrespective of what you believe, you can just, it's okay to just call yourself a Christian or call yourself anything. They will promote humanism and tell us that let's put human rights above all other things. Let's accept everyone. Let everyone live their life. And that is why we are at a place right now where there, people believe that there are multiple truths. Number 10, get the government to make all these laws and get the church to endorse these things, these changes. Even though they are making a plan to destroy the church, they still need the church to be able to destroy the church. And that is why it is important that as the church of God, we know the word of God. Because people are going to use the church against the church. We see politicians using the church against the church. And that there is division in a lot of churches right now because of politics or because of other secular programs, a secular agenda. People will bring a secular agenda. And you see one church um, aligns itself with that agenda. And then the other church says, no, we are against this agenda. But we must understand that as believers, we are citizens of heaven. That is our nationality. We are citizens of heaven. And so whatever we do should promote the kingdom. Amen. So Alison, uh, Alice, Bailey had this 10-point plan. 
written down several years ago in the 20th century to destroy Christianity. And you can see that it is focused, the New Age movement is focused on destroying the family system. And that is why we have to protect our family. We have to preserve our family. We have to defend our family against these things through prayer and make sure that we establish a kingdom culture in our family. The, our children, our relatives have to see us demonstrating a kingdom culture. And these 10 points that I just mentioned, they are all over the internet. You can Google, for, you can Google and then see Alison Bailey's 10 points plan against the church. It is there. And a lot of believers are not aware of this plan. And, and we have to be, the Bible tells us that in the end time, so many things are going to happen. And we have to be mindful about the things that are happening around us. They are not just happening for happening's sake. Some of them are fulfillment of prophecy. But then again, I keep telling people that as we see these things happening, it doesn't mean that we have to live in fear. It doesn't mean that we always have to um, be paranoid and always think that, oh, somebody is fighting against us. That this thing. Let's just know that it is the word of God that is happening. Our responsibility is to preach. Our responsibility is to tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's protect our families against these things. It is our responsibility to lead our family to Jesus Christ. We cannot leave that to the government. We cannot leave that to the education system. You can see that some of these things that we have mentioned have already been made laws, like taking Bible out of the school, like seeing every form of marriage as, as acceptable before people, but it's not acceptable before God. And we have to be on the side of God. It does not mean that we hate, we hate people. It does not mean that we should not accept people. We should accept them, but we should tell the truth. We should say what the word of God says. Amen. Now, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 12 to 15, it tells us a story about a woman who was um, called Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. And so she didn't have so, so much of a good reputation among the people that he, she was living with. Amongst her family members, she did not have a very good reputation. In fact, if somebody was identified as a prostitute, there is no way their families would be proud of that person, right? But she made a decision or she made a choice that brought salvation to her family. Irrespective of the place you occupy in your family, once you see the light, God can use you to bring salvation to your family members. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, to 15. The Bible says, Now therefore I beg you, this is Rahab, Rahab telling the spies that were sent. Let me just give you a background of the story. God told Joshua to go and um, take over the land of Jericho. Joshua sent spies into Jericho. And Rahab was the one who hid the spies from the people of Jer Jericho when they came to look for them. And so when they were about to leave, Rahab is saying that they should make a promise to her. That when they come back to take over the land, they are not going to destroy her. And they are not going to destroy her family. And so in verse 12 of Joshua chapter 2, the Bible says, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, and that you also will show me kindness to my father's house, and to give me a true token. You see, when she was negotiating with the people, she wasn't only negotiating for herself, but for her family. So whenever we come before God, it is not only about us. 
It should be about our entire family. In our prayers for salvation. In our prayers for the blessings of God. In our prayers for, the, for healing. This woman who is seen as an immoral woman. Even though she's an immoral woman. I believe she had a good heart. She had a heart that is willing to see her family saved. And so when she was negotiating with this. At this point she could have said that. When you come just remember me. I'm, I'm thinking that at this point, maybe her family had even rejected her because nobody is proud of a family member who is into prostitution. So they might have rejected her, but she still had a heart to negotiate for her family. And she asked them that you spare my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the man answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you, sorry, if you, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Verse 15 says, Then she let them down by the rope through the window for the house, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. I, I think because of her business, her house was in a place that everybody can easily identify her. And so the Bible says she let them out of the wall. And when you read Joshua chapter 6, um, the Bible tells us that when they finally came to take over Jericho, the Bible says, and the young men who had been spies went in and brought them out and brought out Rehab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that they, all, all that she had. So they brought them out. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. And so, because she made a choice to negotiate with these people for the lives of her family, even though she she wasn't somebody who really had a life that um, she was going to be proud of, or others were going to be proud of, she still made it a choice. That I am going to stand for my family. And I want you to know, whoever you are, wherever you are, God can use you to bring deliverance to your family. And just like God used Rahab to save her entire family from the destruction that God had planned for the people of Jericho. God can use us. And let's see ourselves as the people that God is going to use to bring light into our families. Amen. So this morning we are concentrating on families. We are concentrating on our children, on our brothers, on our sisters, on our parents. We might have brothers, we might have sisters, we might even have parents or cousins who are not saved. Let's not think in ourselves that we are okay, like Esther was told. Now don't think that because you are in the palace, you are fine. God can make a way to save them. But God has brought you into the kingdom for a time like this, so that you can remember your family. Those who are not saved, make them part of your prayer. When you, if you have a prayer journal, write their names. Pray for them constantly. Pray for them constantly. You see, one of the things the enemy is doing is to make sure that generations will not be able to pass on Christian values to their families. And so you see that in America today, there are a lot of the older generation know God. The older generation believe in God. The younger generation are finding their ways. And this is all part of the plan to destroy the family structure and to destroy the, uh, um, the nation. 
And it's all part of the plan to create the environment for the manifestation of the Antichrist. I mean, one of the greatest or one of the biggest thing that we are all waiting for right now is the manifestation of the Antichrist. And everything will work in order. And I, I like we will not be here when the Antichrist manifests, but they are going to put structures together. And we have to be mindful of that. And that is why we have to be passionate about the salvation of our family members. We have to be passionate about praying for every single family member to be saved. You see, when your family member is not born again, it's not a time for you to be, to be sorrowful and always be crying for that family member. No, it is a time for you to stand up as a priest in your family and declare over your family that that person will be saved. And God will hear your prayer. God will answer those prayers. Amen. Let's have a passion to pray for every member of our family. Let's not give up. The Bible says that when you are doing a good thing, don't get weary of doing that good thing. Because in due time, there is going to be a reward if you don't faint. And so in due time, God is going to draw every family member who is not saved to the kingdom. If we continue to pray, God will answer those prayers. Amen. The last thing I want to see, I don't know if I included the story of David in the slides, but it's not on my slide here. So the last thing, I, we'll talk about just the book of Acts right now, and then we'll move on. Right, so in Acts chapter 16, in Acts chapter 16, the Bible tells us that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened, and every chain was loosed, or every chain were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, and see, and see the prison doors open, Supposing the prisoners had left, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called, he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Says, What must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house and took, the, and took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with his household. So this is the story of the jailer who was taking care of Paul and Silas when the prison doors were open. The Bible tells us that he taught that Paul and Silas or the other prisoners had left the prison. And he was about to kill himself. And Paul said, do yourself no harm. We are all here. And so he immediately he fell because he had seen the power of God. He fell to his feet and said, what can I do to be saved? And Paul says that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your family, and you will all be saved. And the Bible tells us that he and his family believed in Jesus Christ. They were baptized and they were all delivered. We see God 
we see God in the Bible saving families through one person. So it doesn't matter if you are the only person in your family who believes. God is able to deliver the whole family because of you. Amen. And so if you are going to be that Moses in your family, if you are going to be that David in your family, who always presents the family, you will be the high priest of your family, the high priestess of your family. Present your family to God every time. And believe God to save every single person in the family. Now, several, some, some, several years after God had delivered Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians, the Bible says it came into the heart of David to build a house for God. And God said that because you have shed so much blood, you, you are not the one who is going to build a house for me. But just because it came into the heart of David to build a house for God, Several years later, and God promised David that because of this thing that has come into your heart, I will make sure that there will never cease to be a person from your family who is a king in Israel. Because of just having that thought that I want to build a house for God, God made a promise and made a covenant with David that I will make sure that there is always a king in your, in your family. And so even when the descendants of David were misbehaving and they were serving idols, because David had established a covenant with God and God was faithful to his covenant, he ensured that there is always a king in the house of David. And even today, there is still a king from the house of David whose name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is a descendant of David. And the promise that God made to David also had in mind that, that Jesus Christ was going to come from the family of David. And God was faithful to that covenant. What triggered this covenant was just a thought that David had. He didn't even take the action. He only had a thought that I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to build a house for God. And God said, because of this thought, I'm making this covenant with you. That there will never stop. There will never cease to be a king from your family and today Jesus is still identified as the son of David I want us to know that whatever thing we do today whatever prayer we pray today for our family it has is going to have influence on our generations to come whatever service we do in the kingdom of God today it is going to impact generations unborn and generations who not even be aware of the covenants that we have established. And so let's continue to pray for every single family member. Let's continue to do everything that God has instructed us to do. Because there is a blessing in obeying God. There is a blessing in doing what God has called you to do. And I want you to make this personal decision that whatever it takes, as for you and your family, you will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter if somebody is not serving God in your family right now. Just continue to confess that as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Just make that your confession. And you will see the manifestation of that confession. It will happen because the word of God is powerful. The word of God is able to turn things around. It's able, when, whenever you confess the word of God and you set it in motion, it is working in the hearts of people. It is working in the realms of the spirit. And it will bring to pass whatever it says. And so let it be in your heart. Let it be established that you are making a covenant 
that as for you and your family, anybody who is part of your family will serve the Lord. Let that be the confession of your heart. Let that be, let that be the confession of your mouth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Shall we rise up right now and begin to pray? For our families, for our families right now, for the salvation of our families, in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up every family that is represented here into your hands, O oh God. We call, O oh God, every person who is unsaved, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for an encounter, just like you saw encountered you on the way to the on the way to Damascus. We are praying for an encounter for our brothers, O oh God. We are praying for an encounter for our sisters, O oh God. We are praying for an encounter for our fathers, for our mothers, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. For our cousins, for our aunties, for our uncles, in Jesus' mighty name. We speak to them to hear the voice of the Lord right now, in the mighty name of Jesus. We draw them, O oh God, to see the light in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise, Father. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Amen.